Joker 2 may have got the green light at Warner Brothers, the members of the Justice League are trying to get the Snyder Cut released, and Kathleen Kennedy says there aren't enough Star Wars books and comics to make more movies. Plus, I review Watchmen episodes 4 and 5, and It's a Wonderful Life, which has just been released on Blu-ray for the first time ever. All this and more on this episode of Small Screen Stories. Hello and welcome back to Small Screen Stories. On this weekly podcast I'll be going through the biggest and most entertaining stories from the world of entertainment and pop culture. So let's start off with what I believe to be the biggest story of the week and that's Joker 2 might have got the green lights at Warner Brothers. So the reason I say it might have, I'll explain this a bit later on in the episode, but according to The Hollywood Reporter, yeah, Warner Brothers are going to be making a Joker 2, which isn't really that, well, it's not really surprising considered the fact that Joker did so incredibly well at the box office. So Joker managed to make, I think it's just over a billion now, and it's actually managed to overtake The Dark Knight, which is incredible considering this is an R-rated movie. So it's the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. And now it's also one of the highest grossing comic book films of all time. I mean, I remember back in the day when The Dark Knight made over a billion and people couldn't believe that a movie had ever made that much money. But so going back to uh, Joker 2, it was it was actually confirmed, supposedly confirmed by uh, The Hollywood Reporter. So The Hollywood Reporter, the reason why I ran it to begin with was because they're such they're a very reputable website. I mean, they are one of the most well-known entertainment websites in the world. And them coming out and confirming this basically means that people at Warner Brothers are already thinking about, at least thinking about, doing a Joker too. However, it was then uh, reported, well, then according to director Todd Phillips, he actually came out and said, no, this isn't actually happening yet. We still haven't, there is no contract. We haven't actually signed anything. So what's actually going on here? Well, I think what they've done is they've actually just basically at inside Warner Brothers they've given themselves a release date and basically confirming to themselves that the movie is going to be made so they'll then probably go and they'll go and talk to Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix about being in the movie but those actor the actor and director and Scott Silver as well the the writer along with Todd Phillips haven't been officially confirmed to be in this project but I'm pretty sure they will be it's just a matter of time there's other news in Joker world is that you can actually go online and read the script read Todd Phillips and Scott Silver's script for yourselves so that's um it's an interesting read because at the very beginning they basically say that um these this movie is not linked to any of the other films in the DCEU so it's it's a very much a standalone film there's also apparently when um, Todd Phillips first pitched the idea of Joker to Warner Brothers, he also pitched a load of other Origins movies for other DC characters. The one they ended up going with was Joker. So it means that there is a possibility in the future that we could be seeing more of these origin movies for other DC Comics characters. So we could be seeing like a Penguin origin movie or a Riddler origin movie, which, you know, it's it's an idea that I really like. And I think that... Um, that Warner Brothers should actually explore this a bit more because if, I mean, we've already seen how lucrative Joker's been. 
imagine what would happen if they actually expanded upon this and actually started making their own kind of almost cinematic universe of DC villains. It would be a, I think it would be something that that uh, audiences would be interested in. Now the the important thing would be not to overdo it, and to ensure that what the films that they're making are to the the same level of quality as Joker is. It's something that I think they really should be focusing on moving forward just actually in a way differentiate themselves from marvel making more lower budget films with more interesting directors with directors that have their own visions as opposed to having an overarching kind of almost style all these marvel films they kind of look the same i mean recently they've been trying to do that i suppose with taika watiti james gunn coming in the russo brothers to a certain extent although i think the russo brothers is just I mean, I'm not Marvel bashing here, but I do, I do think that they're just an extension of uh, Kevin Feige and they make the films that he wants to see. And then most of these films are Kevin Feige's vision anyway. Yeah, because that's, that's how they've worked for so long. Whether or not they'll continue doing that, we'll have to wait and see. So as I mentioned before, Joker has passed one billion at the box office and has overtaken The Dark Knight, which for me is is huge news because... As I said before, The Dark Knight was kind of the, was considered to be the best comic book movie of all time. Still is one of the best comic book films of all time. But also, not just that, it was also considered to be kind of the the box office king. I mean, it was quickly overtaken by Marvel movies after since that. But I remember at the time, that was really unprecedented that a comic book film would do so well at the box office. Uh, other interesting Joker news is that um, apparently Donald Trump is a huge fan of Joker. So um, apparently he did a screening of Joker at the White House. I, I just thought it was quite funny because, of course, he's going through impeachment at the moment. He's And, um, well, there are hearings going on at the moment. And he still manages to find time to have a, jo- a screening of the Joker film. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose... Everybody has their priorities, and uh, watching one of the supposedly one of the best films of the year is one of Trump's priorities. Anyway, moving away from Joker and onto Star Wars. So there have been. I really like this bit of news, but then again, these are rumors. There are rumors, according to we got this covered. So I say this every week. Please take this with a pinch of salt because they do tend to throw a lot of stuff out there. But there are rumors that Disney Plus or they're thinking of doing a Thrawn live action series for Disney Plus. So I love this bit of news because I love Thrawn. I've written about this guy a lot on the site and I think he's a really interesting character and I would really, really like to see a live a live action version of Thrawn. Whether or not they'll do this, <laughs> I don't know. It, I, I expect a live action series with a character that's got blue skin and red eyes might be quite difficult. Um, he was in the Star Wars Rebels animated series and very, very popular Thrawn, if you don't know, is a character that was created by Timothy Zahn. A bunch, uh, he did a trilogy originally, which was in the Star Wars Expanded Universe kind of books. And they were made to be no longer canon when Disney bought Lucasfilm. But um, they then decided to bring the character back into canon by having him in Star Wars Rebels. And, and that was uh, part of that would have been Dave Filoni's decision. And then they decided to do, basically at the same time, they, de- they decided to rehire Timothy, Thro- uh, Timothy Zorn, sorry, and allow him to do his own 
his uh, another a, a second throne trilogy so since then we've had all these throne books come out and they've been i mean i've read i've read the first two i haven't read the, th the third one yet and they're, they're, they're interesting but they are a bit heavy on the um the tactical side because he's supposed to be a very uh, astute tactician the best tactician but also there are some interesting moments between him and Darth Vader in these comic books in these sorry not comic books I mean there are from comic books as well but in these um, in these books in this trilogy so there is a lot of source material there and that leads me on to my next Star Wars uh, story which is that Kathleen Kennedy doesn't think there's enough Star Wars material to make source material to make movies with. So if you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I suppose what she's thinking here, this is in an interview with the Rolling Stone where she said a heck of a lot of stuff, but this kind of stood out to me because you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe and of course Marvel Comics, they make a heck of a lot of comic books. There are also a lot of books actually written about these superheroes so basically what she's saying is that the the marvel writers can look and read these books and kind of be inspired by them and then come up with their own stories she's claiming that star wars doesn't have that the problem is, is ever since star wars was um, bought by disney they have been making these comic books the problem is is these comic books are kind of in between the, the actual films so turning the the kind of a almost a, 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 a um, companion pieces to these movies so the problem is is that if you're you can't really turn those into movies can you <laughs> i mean they try they, they kind of did it with rogue one uh, but that wasn't a comic book and they just came up with the story on the spot but what they do have is a lot of books and comic books that were made before disney bought lucasfilm that were in the expanded universe and now are no longer considered canon. So there are lots of people out there that are claiming that Kathleen Kennedy should just use these. And I I kind of have to agree with her because it's these are these are books that are out there, these are comic books that are out there already, stories that have been written, and a lot of them are actually really, really good. So why not I don't really understand why she can't look at those and be inspired or get writers to be inspired by them and i'm pretty sure that the writers that they're hiring know about these things i'm pretty sure the um you know that they have a, an extensive writer's room at lucasfilm and i'm um i'm almost 100 percent sure that all of these people have read a lot of expanded universe comic books more star wars news is that there was a, a rather interesting looking um poster for star wars the rise of skywalker which had it had um it had what what i think many people would be would believe to be it, it resembled the um one of the last jedi's posters with um poe's x-wing against just the 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 first order's fleet of star destroyers but the thing is in this in in this new poster which is very similar it's very it's really beautiful he's up against it looks like he's going up against an, another bunch of first order uh, ships but actually if you look closer they're not first order they're actually empire star destroyers and they have a, a strange kind of red they have red markings on them which actually look kind of resistancy so it could either mean that the the empire is going to return in this film and they're they're going to be led by 
Palpatine and they've been in the Outer Rim, kind of hidden for years. Or it could mean that these are actually resistance ships. Um, you know, we'll have to wait and see when the film comes out. But the, by all means, check out the poster because the poster itself is very interesting. It's, it's, it's rather striking. Uh, more news, more Star Wars news, is that uh, Kathleen Kennedy also revealed that she thought that George Lucas was never going to return um, to Lucasfilm or to Star Wars. So this is, a lot of people have been asking for this um, because they think that Star Wars is in need of somebody like George Lucas to come back to steady the ship because uh, there are a lot of people out there that didn't enjoy The Last Jedi. There are a lot of people out there that didn't enjoy The Force Awakens. And um, they're, they're say also, there's, you know, Solo didn't do so well. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, Rogue One is kind of the film that, stands out i suppose for many people as one of the best star wars films made in the last few years but yeah it's looking like george lucas won't return and to be honest i don't i don't really understand why he would i think he's perfectly fine just being with his family it sounds to me like he's very happy and that's what kathleen kennedy said in the interview again that interview was from the rolling stone and other uh, other news is that in again in this in this rolling stone interview she also revealed that the kind of the future of Star Wars was slightly uncertain. They they have a, a release date in twenty twenty two for another Star Wars film, but they don't seem to know what that is yet. And um, beyond that, they don't really know what they're going to do. And and this is, I mean, a lot of people are worried by this. Pers I mean, I am a bit as well because you'd like Lucasfilm to have a a bit of a plan. But the way that they, they've been doing things, it, that's not how it's been working. It's been kind of, they've been focusing on one film at a time. And in a way, I think that's probably better because it means that the film that's coming out is going to be as good as it possibly can be. The thing is, a lot of people look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe and look at what they've been doing, which is planning phases, you know, for each phase in advance. And then each phase consists of multiple movies. And that's that's one way to look at things it's almost a it's almost like they're, they're developing a, a tv show at marvel which is kind of what they're doing um star wars lucasfilm aren't doing it that way they're, they're, they're looking at more as one film at a time and that's it means that um yeah if you look five years in in the future we still don't know what star wars film is going to come out in five years time and apparently lucasfilm doesn't know either and anyway, uh, Daisy Ridley has also been talking about uh, The Rise of Skywalker. And she said that this film will actually feature more information about Rey's parents. So if you remember in The Last, in, in the, the last Jedi, it was revealed that her parent, by Kylo Ren actually, that her parents were, were nothing. They were, they were uh, what was it, filthy junk traders was what he called them. I mean, I quite like... I like that fact that it's kind of she comes from nowhere and it's not really about her heritage. It's more about her as a character on her own. You know, she has her own agency and I like that fact. Uh, but people were desperate for her to be related to somebody. So it seems as though they might be doing that in this film. So it seems as though they might be kind of retconning that situation and maybe making her related to somebody, um, well, more famous in the Star Wars universe, let's say. Probably. <laughs> I mean she might she might end up being related to Palpatine in a kind of similar way to Anakin Skywalker which it was revealed in the comic books actually that um Palpatine uh he basically did something with midichlorians where he kind of 
I mean, he, he's not direct. I suppose you can't really call him Anakin's father, but he kind of, um, he manipulated things so that Anakin were born. <laughs> Let's just say that. And uh, this then moves on to uh, the fact that, well, actually, J.J. Abrams has been talking about the rise of Skywalker as well. And he was asked specifically about the the Death Star returning. Now, it seems to me, again, it's another one of those things that a Star Wars movie can't exist without the Death Star being in it. And we all know that after the having seen the trailers that the Death Star is actually quite prominent in this film, at least the uh, what's left of the Death Star is still around. And, Jay, and JJ was asked about this, and he actually said that um, <clears throat> for him it was more about having it almost as a haunted house. So it's the, the, pl the place that you have to go to. It's the story of people having to grapple with the burden of prior generation dumps on those that follow. So literally returning to this wreck of the past and having it fight and having to fight it out felt like an obvious metaphor, but also felt incredibly cinematic. Uh, I do agree. I think there is an element of that. It's quite nice, actually, that the, um, the, the kind of Skywalker saga almost almost end with the Death Star because it kind of began with the Death Star in a, in a weird way. It was, it, you know, the New Hope was the first time we saw it. So it kind of makes sense that it's kind of bookended the the the, the Skywalker saga. So um, I'm not too bothered about that. I'm, I'm quite excited actually to see some of those scenes in the Death Star and I'm pretty sure most Star Wars fans will appreciate it. And so moving away now, finally, from Star Wars and onto the DCEU. So there have been rumours that Superman might actually turn up in Black Adam 2, so the sequel, um, for a big final showdown with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Black Adam. Whether or not Superman in this film would be played by Henry Cavill, if he's going to be in the film at all, we don't know. But again, this comes from We Got This Covered. So, you know, they have many sources. I don't know how they have so many sources. I'd love to have some of their sources. But uh, I don't, unfortunately. Um, but they're they're claiming that the 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 final third of the film will have a confrontation between Black Adam and Superman, which, to be honest, that would be a fight I'd really like to see. Uh, whether or not it would happen, we'll have to wait and see. We don't. I mean, at the moment, we're just looking forward to Black Adam, and hopefully that'll be good. And then hopefully, uh, the sequel will be greenlit and will be just as good. It may be even better. Um, so one of the big things that happened this week was there was a lot of support for the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. So people like Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot and Ray Fisher all took to social media to get the hashtag release the Snyder Cut trending on Twitter. This is, um, this is something that's been going on <laughs> for as long as I can remember, like before even before the um, Justice League was released, people were kind of, because of course Zack Snyder had to leave the project and, and Justice League was finished off basically by Joss Whedon and actually he kind of changed the movie pretty drastically and it's not the final, the, fi the, the cinematic release, the theatrical release of Justice League is not the film that Zack Snyder wanted to make. So what does this mean? This actually means that, and Snyder said it on multiple occasions, that he has his own cut of this film. And this has led to many people online um, demanding that Warner Brothers release the Snyder cut. It actually looks like, I'm pretty sure that Warner Brothers might be 
end up having to be forced. They will be forced to release it. And then I use the word forced and put it in quotation marks because this is either Warner Brothers not keeping a lid on things or actually uh, it's a massive marketing ploy. Now, it could be Warner Brothers just kind of figuring out a way to make an awful lot of money out of a hashtag and then just being like, all right, we'll just release it. Either they release it in cinemas, they do a re-release of Justice League and they call it the Snyder Cut, you know, and then loads of people go and see it, which makes sense. I think they'll probably do quite well if they do that or they release it on DVD. But the problem is if they release it on DVD and Blu-ray, then you've got the likelihood of it being pirated by many, many people, <clears throat> which would be quite sad because, you know, I, I honestly think they should go down the cinematic route because I'd go to the cinema to see um, the Snyder Cut of the Justice League just out of morbid curiosity to see how it actually looked. And also more DC news is that uh, James Gunn, who's currently um, directing The Suicide Squad, which was is is basically The Suicide Squad reboot. You know, it's the reboot of David Ayer's Suicide Squad. And uh, he loves to talk to fans on Instagram. He does a lot of Q&As on Instagram. He's, he's actually really good at that. And someone asked him whether uh, he and um, Matt Reeves had kind of had to talk about which villains they were going to use and whether there'd be uh, the possibility of some villains in James Gunn's movie turning up in Matt Reeves' film. To that... Gunn just said, nope, but I think he knows who's in my script. So it sounds to me like uh, Matt Reeves actually got to read the script, which is quite, uh, he's quite lucky because, I, I mean, James Gunn's scripts are always quite fun to read. And it sounds to me like there won't be a crossover between the two films. They're going to be completely separate. And again, I think this leads back to my original, my first point about the way DC Comics and Warner Brothers are going with their movies is I think moving forward, they're probably going to actually have them more separate rather than have them all interlinked. So I'm pretty sure that Matt Reeves' Batman will live in its own universe and we're not going to see the likes of um, Joaquin Phoenix, Arthur Fleck come into those films or anything from the Suicide Squad coming into those films. If anything, the Suicide Squad, I think, might stick more closely with the DCEU and, and maybe have more crossovers with those films probably further down the line um i mean i don't think it's uh I, I like the idea of these films being on their own i think it's quite a good idea actually moving forward moving on to the marvel cinematic universe so <laughs> tj miller now he's not everybody's favorite person he was in deadpool 2 he was there was much more of him in deadpool 1 but he was talking about Deadpool 3, which apparently is in the works now at Marvel. And he said that it's completely unnecessary. So that's the gist of what he said. So he was actually talking about the third movie in a trilogy and how he thought that they did so well with Deadpool 2 that they didn't need to make Deadpool 3. And he actually spoke a bit about the Hangover trilogy, claiming that the Hangover part, you know, part 1 and part 2 were great, but part 3 was terrible. And I mean... You look at the Hangover films, the Hangover Part 2 and Part 3 were awful. The Hangover Part 1 was good, was was funny, but 2 and 3 were terrible. Deadpool 3, I think, if they do it properly, um, and if if they really think about the jokes that they're using, if they make it really meta, there's a really good opportunity here to make a very amusing film, basically like a pastiche of a Marvel film, and just kind of have some really meta jokes in there about Disney taking over Fox 
it's it's a really good opportunity and I think they should take it. I think also I'm not sure if many people are listening to what TJ Miller has to say anymore. <laughs> I mean I know that sounds quite harsh, but you know, he's not he's not uh, the most popular person in Hollywood at the moment. He hasn't been for a while. Uh, James Gunn, more James Gunn news. Uh, he's actually been talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 as well. So this was in the same Q&A session he did on Instagram where he uh, spoke about the Batman. And uh, he actually kind of suggested that Adam Warlock wasn't going to be in his, in his third film. So uh, if you remember correctly, at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, it's kind of there's a tea, there's a very heavy tease that Adam Warlock is being met, has just been made, and um, apparently he's basically said, "Did I ever say he was going to be in Volume Three?" and kind of insinuating that no, he's not going to be in it. So what was I, what I was thinking actually was he's probably not in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, but probably he might turn up in Thor: Love and Thunder because we know that Thor is now with the Guardians of the Galaxy so they might have they might have a part to play in that film and actually Adam Warlock might turn up in in that film rather than volume 3 who knows only they know at the moment uh, the final bit of marvel news from this week is that apparently Mike Coulter who played Luke Cage in the um, Netflix Luke Cage TV series has been um, well he's not playing him anymore and he won't be playing him in the MCU and they're looking to recast the role so I'm really not surprised about this because, I, I mean, I'm, it's, it's a shame because I actually think he's very good as Luke Cage. I don't think it, he was the problem. I think the writing was the problem. And I think a bit of the direction was problematic as well in, the, in, those, in those series. But I also think that he and Finn Jones had a really good kind of, on, they had good on-screen chemistry. They were really good um, in those, when they were together in those roles. But the problem is, is that I think they're a bit too televisual. I think that's the problem. Is, is the actors are, that they they work well in those series, but if you bring, if you then bring them into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they might not work so well. They're not quite, you know, John Bernthal. They're not quite um, Charlie Cox. And I'm not surprised that they're looking to recast both Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Whether who they choose to play those roles moving forward, we'll have, just have to wait and see. But it does sound as if they do want to bring them into the MCU. Moving on to Disney Plus. So apparently this week, Disney Plus had been hacked, and thousands of accounts and were now well, I'm not sure if they are now, but were available to buy online on the dark web. This is terrible for Disney Plus because it, it basically shows that their security is not that great. So what they, I mean, what they're going to do in the future is, I'm pretty sure this means that they're going to double down on security to make sure this doesn't happen again because it's really, really bad PR for them. Uh, it's also probably a good good thing that it's not out, out here in the UK at the moment. It means that when we do finally get it, they will, they will have, they would have completely eradicated these problems, hopefully, fingers crossed, although it still happens with Netflix. But um, moving forward, I think they're going to be much more focused on security to make sure this kind of thing doesn't happen. Sonic the Hedgehog news. So this seems to happen... I seem to, there seems to be one like Sonic the Hedgehog bit of news every week. Um, but this week, it was reported that Paramount Pictures spent another $35 million uh, Euro, um, dollars, sorry, on the film, which means that the film has now <laughs> cost them $125 million. It, the, its original budget was, uh, was $95 million. And it, 
to think that that film costs so much it's just i mean it's all because of the sonic redesign of course why why it's this why it's so much money why it's spent why they've had to spend so much money on this whether or not it's worth it we'll have to wait and see but honestly i don't think it will be i'm pretty sure it's i mean i'm pretty sure this film's gonna bomb but then again are people gonna go and see it because they're just curious about sonic the hedgehog are there that many sonic the hedgehog fans out there i know they're very vocal fans but are there a lot of them are they are there that many people that will want to go and see it the fact that the detective pikachu movie didn't do as well as they'd hoped kind of makes me think that this kind of film won't do that well i mean we're gonna have to wait and see that's that's the long and short of it we're gonna have to wait and see the mask uh there's been a lot actually oddly enough of um news this week about the mask so basically it was revealed well again it was reported by we got this covered that warner brothers are looking to do um another mask movie and they actually want jim carrey to return as stanley ipkiss I love The Mask. I loved it when I was a kid. It came out in 1994, and then it got a terrible sequel called Son of the Mask, which is just awful. The first movie was very much of its time. It was one of the first comic book films that I watched. And, yeah, you forget that it's a comic book film. It's based on uh, Dark Horse Comics and um, one of their one of their comic books. And I really felt that it, watching Jim Carrey play that role, it was like watching a cartoon come to life and it was perfect for him and he was perfect for the role. So they're now looking, apparently, they're looking to do some sort of reboot and they're actually looking at Karen Gillan to play a female version of The Mask. So in that, I mean, to me, it sounds like Jim Carrey will turn up, Stanley Atkiss will have, you know, his his kind of weird mask that makes him turn into this cre- into this <laughs> weird creature kind of thing and uh, he'll pass it on to Karen Gillan and then she'll get to be you know manic on screen and that will actually I think that'll be quite fun I think um, if they do it right I think it'll be quite a good thing to do really keep the budget to a minimum but then again when I first saw the film I thought the film looked incredible it was unlike anything I'd ever seen so we'll just have to wait and see on that one and uh, moving away from the mask and on to James Bond. That's a very weird uh, segue. But yeah, uh, so Daniel Craig's been talking about about uh, the future, his future with the Bond franchise. And he was asked about, um, he was asked in an interview with a, in a, with a German outlet called express.de. So it's not the express here in the UK, it's a, the German version. And he was asked whether he'll, he'd like to return to direct a future Bond movie. And his his answer, he, he gives great answers to things because I think he's, I honestly think he's brutally honest and probably a bit too honest when he's being interviewed. And he said, for God's sake, no. I want to come home, eat something and then go to bed. If you're a director, then at night you're still with the producers, screenwriters and what do I know on the phone? And then after two hours sleep, you have to go back to the set. No thanks. Yeah, so he really doesn't want to direct a Bond movie it sounds to me like he doesn't want to direct just full stop basically but I mean I I think I really do think that Daniel Craig has been one of the best Bonds of all time he's been in two very poor films in in Quantum of Solace and actually I think Spectre's not great but then again he was in Casino Royale and Skyfall I know a lot of people a lot of people um, have problems with Skyfall when I, I mean, I've watched it a couple of times, and I think it, I think it's a fantastic Bond film, but Casino Royale especially, I think is a, it's just 
that film is the reason why Bond is still around now because there were there was a time when we were thinking that this this franchise might not survive and I think Daniel Craig has been one of the main reasons why Bond's still around and I think we we owe him a lot and I think he's a great Bond and I'm really excited to see uh, No Time to Die I think I think it's going to be really good I think it's going to be great Star Trek 4 so apparently Star Trek 4 is back on and uh, Chris Pine will actually return as Captain Kirk so Star Trek 4 it's been a bit of a kind of development <laughs> yeah, nightmare I think this film uh, basically, they originally wanted to have Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth both in the film, but then there was problems over money and the film was kind of put on hold by Paramount Pictures. But now, according to Deadline, it's been revealed that um, Noah Hawley, who's actually a really interesting... Well, he he's done a lot of stuff in on TV, so he did um, Legion, which is wonderful. It's one of the best Marvel TV shows ever. And he also did Fargo, so he started that TV show. And Fargo is brilliant. And he's shown, with his work in, in TV, how thoughtful he is and how talented he is as a writer and director. And bringing him into the into kind of the movie universe is something that I've been looking forward to for a long time. So it was reported that he was doing um, a Doctor Doom movie. So it's kind of, that's gone a bit quiet. And now he's he's definitely going to be directing Star Trek Four, which I, I think is a fantastic choice for this. He's also going to be going to be writing it, so he kind of comes from the J.J. Abrams school of kind of, you know, he started out in TV and then has his own production company, and then he starts not directing movies. And he, I mean, we all we all seen what's happened to J.J. Abrams' career. He's actually one of the most well-known directors in Hollywood now. He's one of the most sorted-after directors around and i think i'm 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 thinking the same thing is going to happen to noah hawley because i think he is a really really talented director i'm i'm still very excited to see the quentin tarantino star trek film so there's a there's a script that tarantino wrote a star trek script and it's reported that paramount pictures want him to direct it as well which means that Quentin Tarantino's last film could be a Star Trek film, which would be brilliant. I really hope that that happens. Moving on to Keanu Reeves, of all people. And uh, it's been revealed that... Um, so basically, the he's going to be in a film on Netflix called Past Midnight, which is a superhero film. And the producers of it are Anthony and Joe Russo, so they're the directors of Avengers Endgame. And they've been talking a bit about... Um, about past midnight and they basically said they told inverse that past midnight's still in, at a very formative stage so it's, they didn't really want to talk about it but they did say that the script is fascinating i i think this is going to be one of the biggest films to come out on netflix and i think it's 2020 or 2021 it's coming out because people first of all people love keanu reeves secondly people have wanted to see him in a superhero movie for ages and thirdly I mean, it's a Keanu Reeves superhero film. It's not that difficult to to promote that, and I think they'll I think they'll put a lot of a lot of force behind it. So finally, moving away from TV, uh, sorry, we're moving away from movies and onto television. And uh, we we do cover Lucifer quite a lot on uh, on small screen. But I'm a big Lucifer fan. It's kind of my uh, guilty pleasure. Although it is actually really good. The last season was really good. But um, there have 
been there's been a lot of a lot of talk about season five, which will be the last season of Lucifer. And we already know that it's going to be 16 episodes and it's going to be split into two parts. Uh, we don't know when it'll be released. Uh, we're thinking at the moment that it's probably going to be released somewhere in maybe October or May of 2020 between those those months. So May uh, between May and October. And uh, the, the stars of it, so Tom Ellis and, and Lauren German, have been talking about, talking to Entertainment Tonight about the next um, the next series. And basically, it sounds to me, I mean, there was a lot of talk about uh, about marriage, and it sounds to me like they might, they might end up getting married in this in this last season. And we are the the writers and showrunners have already said that they they have enough space in this final season to tell the story they want to tell. And I, I really do think this last season is going to be quite big. And there's also there are also rumors that Dr. Linda Martin she might die in the mid-season finale. So, I mean, it's all very speculative at the moment, so I don't, I don't want to get into it too much because it is just kind of, yeah, it would just, it's just rumours at this, at this point. But Tom Ellis and Lauren German did seem to be hinting towards some sort of kind of wedding final scene. So whether or not the, the, the show ends up ends with a wedding, we don't know yet. And then there's The Umbrella Academy. So The Umbrella Academy season two is coming out next year so in 2020 and that again is one of one of netflix's biggest shows really the first season did really well um and the second season's coming out but people have been a bit bit worried about the source material again talking about source material there are only uh three volumes in the they're based on comic books by jared way actually and gabrielle barr jared way is my chemical romances uh <laughs> front man which it's really it's interesting that he's writing comic books now and they're, they're very good actually so there are three there are there are three volumes of the of the comic books and at the moment so it looks like uh, season two will be going over volume two which is called dallas so a lot of volume two more most of it actually is about going back to the 1960s and trying to assassinate uh, jfk or and basically the whole thing is if they assassinate him then they'll be able to stop the apocalypse from happening so season two basically is going to cover all of that. Season one kind of covered volumes one and two of the comics. And then you've just got volume three left. And we already know that the showrunner wants to make four seasons of the Umbrella Academy. So people are a bit worried that they might end up running out of source material. So again, is that a problem? I mean, they can prob they can write their own stuff. I'm pretty sure that's not going to be a problem. But then we've already seen with the likes of uh, Game of Thrones season eight, that it does get a bit complicated when the source material runs out because people <laughs> coming up with your own story isn't always that easy. And a lot of people quite enjoy uh, kind of... I mean, it's not easy to adapt story either, but there's something there to lean on and it does make it, it, does make it a bit easier, I think. It makes it... it, makes it uh, I suppose if you're trying to come up with a story on your own, you know being creative that way is very different to adapting so if you're used to one thing moving over to the next isn't always a very easy transition and it looked like Benioff and Weiss found it very difficult so whether or not uh, the Umbrella Academy showrunners will find it difficult as well I don't know but Jared Waite is writing more comics so hopefully that will sort the problem mm -hmm. moving on to the features so we did a lot of features this week mainly uh, around Star Wars 
So one of the, the big features that we did was talking about Matt Smith and whether or not he's going to, first of all, whether or not he's going to be in the film and secondly, who's going to be playing. And um, we think he's going to, at least I think he's going to be playing Grand Admiral Thrawn in the film. And I think, I think that'd be so much fun if he, retur- if he comes into this film as, Grand, as Thrawn. First of all, Thrawn's a fantastic character. I've already spoken about him in this episode. Secondly, I think it would be, it is quite fan servicey, but it's kind of the right fan servicey because it's a very deep cut. And um, also Thrawn is a really interesting character and is linked to Palpatine. So we already know that Matt Smith is going to be playing, potentially playing a character that's kind of almost a puppet of Palpatine's. So this is, again, whether or not he's in the movie, he's denied he's in the film. (laughs) If he were to play Thrawn, it would make sense. And also Thrawn would be, brilliant at leading an army he's fantastic at it and it would he'd be a formidable foe for the resistance moving on to the uh, the next um the next feature is that so i've heard a lot of people talking about what's going to happen with kathleen kennedy moving forward her contract as uh, president of lucasfilm runs out in 2021 so people are already starting to think about who's going to replace her. And the name that comes out time and time again is a guy called John Favreau. So John Favreau at the moment, he's the showrunner of The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian has done incredibly well. People love this show. It's very Star Wars-y. It's, very, it's kind of very fan service but it is also a very good Star Wars show. So they've been saying, John Favreau has done really well with this. Why not make him president of Lucasfilm? And actually... I was thinking about it and I I actually think it's probably going to happen and I don't think it's the best idea because there's a lot of stuff that John Favreau's done that I really don't like but if you look at his back catalogue so he's the also the recent things actually is uh, the stuff I don't like so I did not like The Lion King I didn't much care for The Jungle Book but then again I love Chef I thought Chef was quite good I did not like Cowboys versus Aliens <laughs> I did not like Iron Man 2, but he did make Iron Man. He did also make Elf, which is it's actually a really good Christmas movie. And you could say he's one of the men that helped make Marvel's, the Marvel Cinematic Universe what it is today. He was the one, the guy that directed Iron Man, which kickstarted it all. And he's shown with The Mandalorian that he, he is a big Star Wars fan. He has a love for it. And I think a lot of Star Wars fans think that they need somebody, in quotation marks, like them. One of them. And I think a lot of people seem to think that John Favreau is one of them. He has obviously a very good working relationship with Disney. And I think it's going to happen whether or not it's the best thing for Star Wars moving forward. I'm not so sure because... Look at what Kathleen Kennedy's done. It's actually quite remarkable. I know that, you know, Star Wars, you can sell Star Wars. It's not that difficult. But she's actually managed to make multiple Star Wars films that have all been profitable. Okay, maybe not Solo. But Solo still made money. It didn't, it didn't lose a ton of money. It just didn't make as much money as people thought it would. Without Kathleen Kennedy, Star Wars would be nowhere today. That, and that's the honest truth of it because I'm sorry but George Lucas would not be making new films he would just be releasing re-releasing the old films which is what he's we all know that's the plan and that's why the movies on Disney plus are have been altered is because they're altered for his 3d versions of the films that he was releasing into cinemas so, 
it's a difficult question to ask, answer whether John Favreau is the is the right person for the future because I honestly think, personally, I think Kathleen Kennedy's been dealt a really bad. I mean, she's been treated pretty poorly by Star Wars fans, whereas I think she should be actually kind of celebrated. If if they do bring John Favreau in, I would like. I mean, I think he'll probably do a good job, but he'll be one of the people that would probably be more focused on exploring the past rather than moving ahead. And that's that's my biggest problem. Now, that again, it's theoretical. So, you know, whether or not he does do that, we don't know. I, the final bit of kind of the final feature I ran on, um, on the site was about uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the fact that it's been renewed systematically after having been cancelled by Fox and actually having low viewership. And actually, uh, the whole idea was, why is it still being renewed? I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong, I am so happy that this has been renewed for another season because I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But the numbers aren't very good. So it's now on to season eight. We will know that it'll go on to season eight. And there, of recent memory, I can only remember How I Met Your Mother and Friends that have carried on for that long. And it's, uh, if you look, start looking at the numbers, so... After season five at Fox, the show had just 2.7 million live viewers, which isn't good. It's not good for a network like Fox. It was, um, and then when it moved to NBC, it was actually its 12th rated show and, um, and 17th in live, view, live uh, viewership figures. So it doesn't, it doesn't make for good reading. But the reason why it's, it's renewed is because of streaming and also um, kind of the, um, what's it called, the DVR, uh, what, people that are watching it on DVR, so the people that are recording it and then watching it later. And actually, if you look at it, if you take those numbers into account, it's actually one of NBC's most, most watched shows. So it's actually, I ended up calling it a bit of a creeper hit because it's, let's use a Lonely Island term, because it kind of, it snuck up on people. People love it but they don't watch it live. They just watch it whenever they want to. Um, so they watch it on things like Hulu, like Netflix, and they watch it on, on DVR, and they don't tend to watch it live. And that's why it's been renewed. And actually, I think networks are going to be looking at these figures more and more moving forward, and they're going to stop, or they already are, stop. they're going to stop kind of looking at live viewership figures because they don't matter anymore. So now it's time for the reviews. So I'll be quite quick this week, this week with the reviews. Um, Everybody, I think if you've been listening to this and also a lot of people out there have been loving Watchmen on HBO and episodes four and five have just, they're now out and oh my God. <laughs> so episode four was, I'm, it's just, it's very good. It's got it's everything about this show. I've said this time and time again. It's really good storytelling. It's really good television and HBO yet again have arguably the best tv tv show on at the moment in watchmen damon lindelof has done an incredible job at making a story which is both compelling it's mysterious it's got you're just constantly asking yourself questions about what's going on you've got really compelling characters in there great performances and the the final i mean this show if it can carry on going like this it's like i just think god it can't every week I think it can't get any better and then you just watch the episode afterwards and you think god this is this is better than the one before it's just it's just mind-boggling how 
how well written this show is and how well acted and the score is amazing by uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross it's so it sounds so good the music is brilliant the acting is fantastic and I, I implore you if you're not watching this show please go and watch this show because it is really really good it's quite difficult I think over here in in the UK it's on Sky Atlantic in the US it's on HBO I mean I can't I don't know where else it what other networks it's on uh, in other places in the world but I really do implore you to go and see it final review um, It's a Wonderful Life so yeah this is a really old film but it recently was released on Blu-ray for the first time ever so it's been restored in black and white glorious black and white this film is a masterpiece so I wrote about I wrote a review on the site about it um, in honour of the Blu-ray release it is the best Christmas movie ever made, but it's more than just a Christmas movie. If you actually watch it, it's actually really depressing. It starts off about a guy, he wants to kill himself. Yeah. It's um, it's a very depressing start for a Christmas film, but actually it's, it's kind of the, the journey that's so important uh, because the message of Christmas is about, you know, being surrounded by friends and family and this is often very it's very sweet and saccharine in a lot of christmas movies but here it's actually really poignant in in it's a wonderful life and i think if you even if you're not into christmas films i know a lot of people that aren't i don't like that many of them i didn't mention elf elf's a very good christmas film this is one of the only films i can think of that explores such dark themes and it's not just a good Christmas movie. It's a fantastic movie in its own right. James Stewart is brilliant in it. Donna Reed is wonderful in it. And um, if you haven't watched it, you've got to watch it this year. Get the Blu-ray. Watch it in, on a nice big screen at home in a dark room surrounded by your loved ones. You will love this film. I'm, I really think you will. And that's why I gave it a 10. Anyway, that's a lot of stuff to that I've been through this week. It's a lot of stuff to get through. And I really... Like I do every week, I merely scratch the surface of all the news that came out this week in the world of entertainment and pop culture. But please go and check out Small Screen, which is at www.small-screen.co.uk for even more pop culture news, features and reviews. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at smallscreengb. And thank you so much for listening. And uh, I'll see you back here same time next week. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.